Hello everyone, Ali here. A little bit of a different schedule this weekend. No weekend quiz. And sorry to those of you who have been taking part in those, who have been hoovering up those quizzes. They've been fun, uh, but we felt like having a weekend off this weekend. We'll see next week if we fancy cracking on with another quiz. Um, But just uh, taking a few days off, uh, what we would love you to listen to instead this weekend is our interview with Dean Windass as part of the EFL Completed series for the Going Up, Going Down podcast that we do for The Athletic. Uh, It's on a separate podcast feed. So if you haven't heard it, it's all about that series, um, trying to get an idea of the journey that players go on when they start their careers at the lowest level of English professional football in League Two, or in some cases in the conference, and work their way up to the Premier League. It it strikes us that it's such a a fascinating and quite unusual journey to go on, but there are a, a good list of players who have done it. So first with Conor Harahan and then Dave Edwards and now Dean Windass. We've had three very different characters, very different sorts of stories uh, and incredibly entertaining and really interesting, I think, to understand the mindset of these different guys. So please do go and listen to that. Uh, If you've already listened to it, well, here's a little bonus Q&A. Three questions sent in by you guys to ask Dean Windass. First question to put to you, Dean, we've heard all about your amazing football career and almost two decades long but not long after you retired uh, your son Josh became a a professional footballer I guess it'd be really interesting for us to understand um, what it's like to be the dad of a professional footballer for for those of us who haven't made it as a pro ourselves that is the the last remaining goal I guess well yeah listen it's really strange because can I go back and my dad didn't my dad didn't come to a lot of away games Um, and obviously uh, he didn't go to Wembley. He, he wanted to watch it in the pub, and all my mates who were in the pub on that day when I scored, they said, "You know, your dad was the, the the proudest and tallest man in Hull that day," and I didn't really relate to sort of that, you know. And I remember ringing my dad up afterwards, and he, you know, my dad didn't really praise me that much as a kid and that, but he he turned around and he said, "Well, it wasn't a bad goal, was it really?" You know, <laughs> it, that's all he said really. And and then when Josh become a footballer. Watching him obviously at Glasgow Rangers playing in the in the old firm, I actually know what it means now. I actually know what my dad felt like that day, and when he walked out, you know, making his debut for 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 uh, Rangers against Celtic at at Ibrox, I cried. I cried in the stand, and my eyes filling up, and so I understand what what my dad felt like, and so proud. Not a footballer anymore, so proud as a dad. Uh, Jordan, me, my youngest lad, who's 21, he's trying to get in the game. Now he got released out of his field like Josh did. So hopefully he'll get his chance this year, Josh. He's going on, Jordan's going on a few trials. So listen, you know. What have you made of, of Josh's career so far? Because like yourself, he, he had a few knockbacks and he also yeah. had to sort of start his senior career, at least, playing in non-league. Yeah, well, again, same story, really. Like my, my dad said when I got released, you got to go, you got to go get a job. You got to play non-league football until you get a chance, and I said that. I, I, my mate was a worked on a. He had his own building company. I made Josh go work, work with him for two weeks, and he hated it. And he come back. He said, "I don't want to do this. I want to be a footballer." So we well, need to get your finger out. Then he played for Harrogate Town. He had a lot of injury. He had a bad injury when he was a, when he was a kid. He broke his he broke his tib and fib and dislocated his ankle on his right leg. That put him out for for a long time. And then he played for Harrogate Town. Um, and he went up for an header and he fell on his wrist and broke his wrist. So 
and then he had a and then he had a, a, a hip operation. So he went through a, a bad time at that stage, and then James B. He obviously got him to to Accrington. Um, he didn't really get in the team, and then obviously started to get in the team. Started to get stronger, started to get fitter, training every day. Late developer like I was, then obviously six foot two. Now he's a machine, and going to Glasgow Rangers from Accrington. You know, I didn't really want him to leave Rangers, but obviously Wigan, Wigan came in with a big money offer, a two and a half million, and he's had an up, up and down, up and down. He's had. He's only been in the game three or four years now, and he's had an up and down sort of uh, four years, and now he's moved to to Sheffield Wednesday on loan, which I think. He'll probably want to move as a, as a permanent at the end of the season. I don't know what the situation is. Scored on his debut for Sheffield Wednesday. Massive, massive football club. Great fan base. So I just want to get that little bit of stability, really, in the sense that whatever happens next season, if he stays at Wigan, you know, he's got another year left at Wigan. If if that, you know, obviously if Sheffield Wednesday want to want to take him full time, I just want to get a bit of stability and want to get his head down. Get as many goals as he can, and and, I, and I'm a firm believer, not as a footballer, but as a dad that he, he can he can play in the Premier League, and but he just needs that little bit of consistency now. Where, you know, as you say, you just mentioned off air there, you know, he's he's a machine, you know, they're on this WhatsApp thing where they do this running, and apparently he's, he's the he's the quickest one out of out of every footballer doing a five k. I think it is so. He's quick. He's 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 got he's got a, he's got a good engine on him. He can't tackle, but who tackles anymore in football? Um, but no, he's got a great future if he if he keeps doing as the way he's doing. So Dean, I'm followed by a few fellow Oxford fans, so you won't be surprised to hear the line of the questions that they've sent in. Uh, for a bit of context, for those who who won't know this, who are Oxford fans, Oxford played Chelsea in 1999 in the FA Cup, uh, yeah. a Chelsea team that included in the starting lineup Frank Leboeuf, Graham Lasso, Dan Petrescu. Marcel Desailly, Dennis Wise, Roberto Di Matteo, Gianfranco Zola and Gianluca Vialli and a very young John Terry making his debut as well. You put the home side 1-0 up before Frank Leboeuf scored an injury time penalty. Yeah. Questions that were sent in. Um, Andrew says, would love his take on Oxford uh, versus Chelsea FA Cup game and Kevin Francis's foul on yeah. Vialli. Paul says, can he still believe that Mike Reed gave that penalty decision against Chelsea in the FA Cup match against Oxford United? And uh, Charlie says, do you think you would have got your big move to Bradford without those Chelsea games? Still bitter and living in the memory 12 or well, 11 years later for Oxford fans. What do you remember about that day? Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, I, I can relate to that lad who was, who was asking the question. And when you look back and you, you see Kevin's tackle, you know, he was, a, he was six foot seven, wasn't he, Kev? So, At least, uh, yeah. yeah. He actually got. He actually did get the ball, but I think it was the way that he tackled Viali. I think it was a, a scissor tackle, and um, you know, to to score as well. And obviously playing against, I've got the picture of me and John, and, and he is a very young John Terry, and I'm a little bit older, I think. But you know, to but to play against Desai, who was a World Cup winner, and you know, what you just named that team. You know that that probably that, that team now, if they were fit, they'd still do well in the Premier League. That's how good they was, and. But for us to get go one nil up, um, and then obviously to be devastated with with obviously Frank LeBuff's penalty at the end, hoping that he, you know that he, it's he, you know the goal he'd save it. But listen, what a great achievement by the club, you know, to to get to that to that stage in the competition, and then nearly beating one of the 
you know, one of the best players, best teams in the in the Premier League. Um, but I wouldn't say that I probably got a move on that on that on that performance or that that goal. I think that because I was playing so well, I think that you know there were a lot of people watching me before that. Anyway, I didn't know that at the time, but it sort of did put me on the map. You know, playing playing well against them. You know, Desai, you know, uh, at the back. Uh, sorry, he played centre midfield that day, but they had obviously John Terry and Frank LaBeouf who, who were centre halves. So I tried messing them up a little bit, but I, I felt comfortable playing in that environment, you know, against top, top, top players. And so going back to the lad's question, I probably would have got a move anyway, but that, that didn't, you know, that, that sort of helped the cause because I played so well against Chelsea. And last question. Tom wants to know, Dean, who the best strike partner you ever played with was. And given he's a, a Bradford fan and you had a, a fair few strike partners there, including a, a Benito Carbone, yeah. of course, uh, at Middlesbrough on the main pod. We've spoken about Alan Boxic. Who would you put right at the top? Well, Al- Alan's that's, Alan's like, you, you know, I, I, nobody knew this, but Alan was on 100 grand a week. Uh, in 2001, it was. I think somebody leaked out in the papers that somebody got his wage slip and he was on 100 grand a week. And uh, and you know what? He deserved every penny because he was incredible. He was, he was a gentleman. He was good in the change rooms. A very quiet lad. Uh, but just a great, great man to work with. Great land, great man to work off. Um, as you say, back to the the whole days with me and Linton Brown. Linton Brown was quick. I was the one who was the link man, and 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 it worked. So I knew when once I got the ball and I turned, I knew where he was running. And one v one, you know, he's not going to miss. You know, I remember Yogo Ekyog saying, you know, he's probably when they did one v ones in training, defense against attack, and you do one v ones. You know, I, 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 I can't recall anybody apart from him, you know, not scoring. You know, and Yugo was the, probably one of the best defenders. And, you know, he'd, he'd rinse Yugo. And, but with Carboni, I mean, Benny Carboni was, we were both singing from the same hymn sheet. We both, both weren't the quickest, but we linked up so well together. And he, he learnt me so much, him and Dan Petrescu, as, as foreign footballers, how to live your life, how to train. Like when I was going back with my podcast, that, I never had a day off because Dan, Dan Petrescu said, you know, you can have a day off when you retire. So I'd come in on a Wednesday and, and, and have a go on that fat suit what I used to run in. Or I'd run around the, the track with Dan Petrescu stretching and doing doing a bit of yoga. And that stood me in good stead. So I learnt from I learnt from a lot of players. But I think Alan was Alan was just he was just incredible. I think that a lot of defenders won't want to play against Alan Boxic. That that is a fact. Hopefully you enjoyed that little Q&A. The idea was that this would be a little uh, amuse-bouche, if you will, a little starter to the main event, the main podcast, or uh, a little dessert if you've already listened to it. It's on the Going Up, Going Down podcast feed. It's brought to you by The Athletic. It's a wonderful hour and a bit uh, listening to the memories and stories and motivations of Dean Windass and what a remarkable football career. So please, please do go and listen to that this weekend. And we'll talk again on Monday.